Hey, it's Kishore, and you are listening to Undiscovered with the Podcast. I hope you've been doing really well since the last episode. We are already into February. <laughs> Here in Atlanta, the weather's been really toggling between like dreary, rainy, and suspiciously warm early spring vibes. In my most recent five-minute letter, I shared that I feel like the last month or so, I've been in a bit of a hibernation mode, mostly like staying indoors, snuggling up on the couch, um, reading, writing, working on some experimental creative projects. My weekends look so different from that (laughs) of my early to mid-20s, and I'm really okay with that because I've been spending time doing the things that bring me joy. And so I hope that for all of us that we can take more time out for ourselves and fill that time with the things that are meaningful and enjoyable without the need to attach any result or purpose or expectations onto it. This week's episode is about self-care rituals and some of the reasons that I don't think we talk about enough for why it's so hard for many of us to create and stick with them. And when, and then I wanted to share my self-care ritual with you. So before we get into it, I wanted to kick this episode off with a segment that I like to call the joy forecast. Okay, so this segment is actually something that I do in my personal life. The backstory is that in 2019, my husband and I separated. And as anyone who's been through anything similar, it's a very stressful time. I wasn't really in a good place. I felt like I was blowing my entire life up. I had just signed the lease on a new apartment that I was moving into. And I'd also found a therapist that I was going to start seeing regularly. But before I did that, I booked a trip to Philly for the weekend to visit my friend Gina. And so we decided to go out one night. And at some point we ended up sitting on this pier or dock. I, to this day, don't know where exactly we were, Um, but we were sitting in silence for a bit. And I'm sitting there watching the ripples in the water, reflecting light from the moon. And I just start bawling, like really bawling and I remember Gina just let me cry it out, which I'm so thankful for because lots of times people would have just probably tried like dishing out like toxic positivity. Um, And truthfully, like I know I've definitely been that friend before and mostly thought that it would help in moving the person forward. But what I found to be more true than not is that it actually just provides an avenue for avoiding the work of sifting through feelings and processing reality. Um, And honestly, I could probably spend a whole episode talking about that, but I digress. Um, Anyway, so after I finished crying and um, everything, she asked me, like, what are you looking forward to in the near future? And at first I was really caught off guard by that because usually I feel like people extend words of encouragement. And I know that she did at some point, but to me, asking that question really took me out of my current situation and challenged me to anticipate my life beyond what felt like a really low point in my life. And so I answered her and I told her that I was excited about starting therapy. I was excited about the new furniture that I'd bought for my apartment. And I was excited about having a new dog. And 
while it didn't solve my most like pressing issue at the moment, it give, did give me something to grasp onto when I felt like I was just floundering. So now when I'm feeling down or uninspired or unlike myself, I use that question to give myself some perspective and to give a bit of hope. Hope knowing that life is just made up of a series of seasons and that by still being here to tell you this story, that means that I've survived literally every obstacle that I've ever faced. So with that being said, my near future anticipations, my joy forecast um, are one, buying more frames for our artwork and purchasing a stand for my record player. I feel like one challenge with living in apartments is this tendency to future planned, plan and not invest in a ton of home decor with this idea of like, oh, I'll, you know, in a year or so or two years, I'll be in a house or be at this more permanent place. Um, and so that's been the case for me. I have tons of plants and books displayed on my bookshelves. But the idea of putting a bunch of art on our walls has always felt a bit too permanent for me in a weird way. So I'm excited about doing that this year. So far, the art that we've put up has made the place feel incredibly homey. And I honestly wish we would have done it sooner. Um, two is my mom and I decided to create a book club, a book club of two, Um one of my favorite books of all time is The Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois by Honoré Fanon Jeffers. I recommended it to my mom and we decided that it would be a cool bonding experience to read it together and to discuss it. And so I'll share the link of it from my local feminist bookstore and the show notes for anyone interested in checking it out. Um, when I originally read the book, I checked it out from my local library and I've been needing to buy a personal copy. So this was like the perfect opportunity. And then the third thing is me and my husband just booked a birthday trip for me for next month. Um, and I'm really excited about it. I think that by the time the trip comes, it will feel like a much needed getaway. Um, we've been really trying to make an effort to travel more, especially since things open back up and I'll probably share a photo dump once we get back from it. So one of the reasons why I think it's so hard to create and stick with a self-care ritual is because mainstream media doesn't emphasize the interconnectedness of self-care enough. Um, self-care encompasses the mind, the body, and the spirit. So for example, if our minds are not well, it's going to be really difficult for us to feel like moving our bodies. And it's also going to be impeding our ability to connect with, um, spiritually with ourselves and the universe, spirit, God, insert whatever you believe in. And, you know, if our bodies are not well, it can lead to depression or anxiety, and also makes it challenging to have a sense of faith or hope. And if our spirits are not well, then, you know, if we don't feel connected to something greater than ourselves and to creation as a whole, then this can impact our sense of purpose and belonging and our desire to engage with the physical world. It's all interconnected. And I don't think that's emphasized enough. It's not just enough to meditate, um, 
or to just exercise. We really have to consider and be mindful of how these practices are interplaying with each other and elevating our quality of life. And so that brings me to my second point. Speaking for myself, many of the times that I tried to create a self-care practice it and didn't stick, um, more times than not, I was adopting a practice without actually considering if it was even right for me. So in an ideal world, you know, I'd, I'm sure that it'd be great to meditate for 30 minutes every morning first thing, but my reality is that my mornings look different each day. And quite frankly, you know, meditating doesn't enhance my connection to my body or my spirit the way that others' practices I've incorporated into my life do. The message that we receive from our society is that wellness is supposed to look the same for everyone else, but that's just like not the case. Um, wellness is supposed to be authentic to each of us. And what helps keep me well may not be the same thing that helps keep you well. And that's okay. In fact, I think that that's really the way that it should be because your uniquely lived experience, your genetics, your cultural and ancestral background make you who you are. And so it only makes sense that your self-care practices would be uniquely specific to you too. So next time you consider incorporating a new practice, take a second to ask yourself, is this right for me? How will this enhance my quality of life? Who does this ultimately benefit by me, me taking this on? So many tips, tricks, and products that the wellness industry pushes is for profit and for influence. And while some of these can be really beneficial, you know, keeping in mind how intertwined capitalism and the wellness industry are is super important. Um, it's super important that we stop and ask critical questions beforehand the third reason why I believe so many of us struggle with creating and keeping self-care practices is because of generational trauma. Colonialism and white supremacy have touched just about every square inch of this world. And I mean, there's honestly a reason why they say that the sun never set on the British Empire. Um, a hard truth, which we are still reckoning with to this day, is the ways in which we were forcefully disconnected from our cultural practices and our ancestral wisdoms. Doctora Rosales Meza talks a lot about decolonization as well as reclaiming our cultural practices and ancestral wisdom. And if you would like to dive into that more, I will link her to the show notes for you. For those of us who are part of the global majority, like myself, we... <laughs> We know all too well how our cultural and ancestral practices historically have been demonized or exoticized. And honestly, I say that not knowing if that's a real word, but we're going to rock with it because it feels right. Um, only to later be co-opted, scrubbed of any cultural meaning or depth and packaged into products for profit. And this has been happening for centuries it's honestly happening right now, like what's going on with the quote Kelsey cut, which is a fade, which the black community has been doing for forever. Um, and so, you know, this has been happening for centuries and it feels like a tale as old as time. And I think it's important that we're mindful that we're not engaging with practices that were ours to begin with. Um, and when I say engaging with these practices, I mean, taking them on, 
with this idea that they didn't belong to us in the first place or that they've been somehow um, optimized or, you know, further developed better than how they were originally intended to be practiced. And um, I've written about this in a five minute letter and I'll say it here. I really believe that this is a time of reclamation. I have never seen, heard, or witnessed so many people unapologetically returning to and celebrating their cultural practices. I really haven't. Like, I've seen everything from people reintroducing themselves on LinkedIn with their given name to women reclaiming their body hair once learning about the racist history of why body hair on women is so looked down upon in the first place. Life as we know it, it's not sustainable or natural. You know, constant growth, which tech bros always, you know, and corporations always laud, like that's not normal. And especially constant growth at the expense of everything and everyone. And as much turmoil as we are witnessing globally right now, there's also so much beauty that's unfolding. And I think that the turmoil is just a final gasp of the colonial system that we've been existing under. Um, the world that we live in was built from the imagination and then followed up with decisive action. And to build the world that we want to live in and that we want future generations to live in, it will also require imagination, radical imagination, and also decisive action. And I believe that that's possible. I think that in talking about the historical context for this topic, we'd also have to talk about the multi-generational position of servitude that many of our ancestors were forced into. Speaking as a Black woman in the deep South of the United States, which is loaded with just like underlying racial tensions. Um, I frequently think about those who came before me who were brought here and didn't have the ability to prioritize themselves or their well-being. And I also think about how so often today, Black women are still expected to accept this idea that our entire identity is to be in service of others. We are expected to be caretakers, rescuers. You see this in politics like every four years. Um, we are supposed to be advocates, just so many things. And I think simply put, we have been conditioned to think of and care for ourselves last. When we're spending so much of our lives being everything for everyone else, we often forget ourselves. And we forget that if we weren't anything to anyone else, we would still have ourselves and that that deserves to be emphasized and permanently fixed in the forefront of our minds. We belong to ourselves before we belong to anyone else. And because we belong to ourselves, we should prioritize our wellness first. You know, my husband and I are in the season of saving up our money right now. And one thing he always says is that we should pay ourselves first. And I think that this is so smart and something that I did not do before we got married. <laughs> and, um, you know, I and probably lots of people would say like, okay, I'm going to pay all of my bills. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then at the end of the month, I'll put 
what's left in my savings. And you want to know what wasn't there at the end of every month. Money. Because there will always be something that comes up, something unexpected that requires paying for. And so that is why we pay ourselves first. And I think that that translate, translates really so well to self-care. If we don't take time from the get-go, whether that be first thing in the morning or at the beginning of the week or the month, it will become increasingly more likely that something, someone will need our time and we'll discover that we never got a chance to carve out any time for ourselves. So those, I would say, are the three lesser talked about reasons why we struggle to create and keep self-care rituals. One, we don't consider the interconnectedness of self-care and the mind, the body, and the spirit. Two, we adopt self-care practices without considering if they're actually right for us as individuals. And three, the generational trauma of colonialism and this continued expectation that people of the global majority are only to be in service of others leads us to prioritize ourselves last. So by the time you hear this, it will be Monday. And um, currently I'm recording this on Sunday evening. So I wanted to share with you my self-care ritual that I did earlier today. So I call the first Sunday of every month my, quote, self-care Sunday. It's a day when I spend quality time with myself. Sometimes it's the whole day. Other days, like today, it's just a few hours. But the main point is that I take a bit and show myself love. For this month's self-care Sunday, I scheduled a massage appointment which is really nice because I actually pulled a muscle in my right shoulder last week while exercising and it's been pretty uncomfortable. Um, I also went to my local feminist bookstore here in Atlanta and I bought the love songs of W.E.B. Du Bois, which I mentioned earlier in this episode. And then I wrapped everything up by having lunch at a new to me Vietnamese restaurant that um, was really delicious while I read a book and just enjoyed some slow, quiet time. Um, I originally wanted to go see Origins, Ava DuVernay's new film in theaters, but the whole day was kind of gray and gloomy and it was kind of starting to rain. So I decided to come back home and record this episode. All in all, it was a relaxing day. Um, It felt really good to like reset and just do something that I wasn't like rushing myself through. It was just letting the day kind of go wherever it, it took me. Um, And so speaking of resets, I also do this exercise called monthly resets as part of my self-care Sunday. Um, I will be honest and tell you that I have not always stuck with it. There are times when I go two to three months without doing it. Um, But either way, it's, it's a great practice. I started it back in late 2022 because I felt like I was spinning. I just kept spinning with the same struggles every month and it wasn't really doing any, I wasn't really doing anything about it, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I would say that I wanted to exercise more or read more or spend more time with friends, but like none of that was happening. And by the next month, I was just back to either bitching about how I wasn't happy with certain aspects of my life, or I turned the frustration onto myself and basically berate myself for not living up to my expectations, neither of which... Um, was helpful at all, hence 
the reason why I started doing the monthly resets. So the monthly reset is broken down into four parts. One is what went well last month. Two, what didn't go well last month. Three, what to do differently this month. And then four is setting a monthly in um, a monthly intention. So I want to preface this by saying that when I make my list, it is solely, I stress solely about improving my quality of life, mostly the intangibles, like my joy, my sense of connection to myself, my loved ones, my community. Um, it's about increasing my level of creativity, not my productivity. It's about showing my body love, not just caring about seeing numbers on a scale go down or trying to fit any aesthetics. Um, so I started this because I needed something that wasn't highly complicated, that took less than 30 minutes, and that also was not stress or stressful or pressure-fueled. Because I know myself and I know that if it's any of those things, um, I'm not going to stick with it. For sure, for sure, I'm not going to stick with it. So yeah, I picked Sundays because... One, Sunday is my day with the least activities and responsibilities. Um, it does get a little tricky during football season because, um, you know, if the game's coming on at one, like I have to try to fit it in before because I always tell myself, well, I'll do my self-care Sunday in the evening time on Sunday after like the Steelers game. But it always inevitably, I find myself just like sitting and never leaving the couch. <laughs> So I think maybe this upcoming football season, maybe I'll switch it to Saturdays. I'm not sure, but typically it's Sundays because like I said, that's the day with like the least activities or responsibility. And then two, um, because self-care Sunday sounded a bit catchier than <laughs> any of the other days of the week. Like I couldn't quite like self-care Monday or self-care also like who most people aren't doing self-care on Mondays, but like self-care Saturday didn't quite have the same ring. So I said, self-care Sunday sounds good. We'll go with Sunday. <laughs> um, so yeah, if this sounds like something that you'd be interested in trying, I really encourage you to do it. And also feel free to tweak it, to make it more of your own. Like I said earlier, your unique lived experiences, where you are in your life right now, like this is your self-care practice is going to be yours. It's what you make of it. Um, and when you create or refine your, refine your self-care ritual, I suggest that you keep in mind two things. One is, again, make it something that feels true and well relevant to you like right now. Your ritual will shift and change as you do, which I think is good because it means that you're evolving. And so just trust that you'll know when that shift needs to happen. And then the other thing I suggest is that you make it sustainable because what would be the point of a self-care ritual if it's not something that you can keep up with and if it's stressing you out or causing you to turn on yourself with negative self-talk or fall, you know, for falling below your unrealistic expectations. Um, I think it would just kind of defeat the purpose. And so ultimately I suggest starting small, starting where you are and then building from there. Let me know how it goes. I'm always interested in seeing how others care for themselves and express self-love. Like I said, in the previous episode, you can email me. I'll have that in the show notes as well as find me on social media and message me. 
If you enjoyed this episode and you want more content like it, subscribe to my five minute letters. They are personal letters that I share every first and third Friday via email. They're free. And as the name would suggest, they can be read in under five minutes. You can find past letters and other really wonderful content on my website. And if you're looking for products to support your authentic wellness journey, check out the notes to self collection that I designed. The collection includes an affirmation deck, bags, and even cards to share some good vibes with your friends and family. I hope that you have a fabulous week. Take care of yourself, carve out time for yourself, and yeah, really create space. All right, bye.